Chapter six of Master of the Vineyard by Myrtle Reed. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. More stately mansions. The new joy surged in every heartbeat as Rosemary went up the hill of the Muses late in the afternoon. Instinctively, she sought the place of fulfillment, yearning to be alone with the memory of yesterday. Nothing was wrong in all the world, nothing ever could be wrong any more she accepted the brown alpaca and the brown gingham as she did the sordid tasks of every day that morning for the first time it had been a pleasure to wash dishes and happiness to build a fire grandmother and aunt matilda had been annoyances to her ever since she could remember their continual nagging had fretted her their constant restraint had chafed her their narrowness had cramped her to-day she saw them from a new point of view grandmother was no longer a malicious spirit of evil who took delight in thwarting her but a poor fretful old lady whose soul was bound in shallows and aunt matilda rosemary's eyes filled at the thought of aunt matilda unloved and unsought nobody wanted her she belonged to nobody in all her lonely life she had had nothing she sat and listened to grandmother she did the annual sewing and day by day resented more keenly the emptiness of her life it was the conscious lack that made them both cross rosemary saw it now with the clear vision that had come to her during the past twenty-four hours she wanted to be very kind to her grandmother and aunt matilda it was not a philanthropic resolution but a spontaneous desire to share her own gladness and to lead the others if she might from the chilled darkness in which they dwelt to the clear air of the heights oh but it was good to be alive the little birds that hopped from bough to bough chirped ecstatically the nine silver-clad birches swayed and nodded in the cool wind and the peaceful river in the valley below sparkled and dimpled at the caress of the sun the thousand sounds and fragrances of spring thrilled her to eager answer she too aspired and yearned upwards as the wakened grass-blades pierced the sod and the violets of last year dreamed once more of bloom yesterday she had emerged from darkness into light she had been born again as surely as the tiny dweller of the sea casts off his shell the outworn habitation of the past was forever left behind her to be swept back by the tides of the new life into some forgotten cave build thee more stately mansions o my soul as the swift seasons roll the words said themselves aloud she had learned the whole poem long ago but to-day the beautiful lines assumed a fresh significance for had she not by a single step passed from the cell of self into comradeship with the whole world was she not a part of everything and had not everything become a part of her what could go wrong when the finite was once merged with the infinite the individual with the universal soul she sat down on the log that alden had rolled back against the two trees three years ago when they had first begun to come to the hill of the muses for an occasional hour of friendly talk everything was the same and yet subtly different as though seen from another aspect or in another light over yonder on the hillside farthest from the valley he had put his arm around her and refused to let her go she remembered vividly every word and every look and that first shy kiss of course they belonged together how foolish they had been not to see it before was she not the only woman he knew and was he not the only man to whom she could say more than how do you do god had meant it so from the beginning ever since he said let there be light 
and there was light dreaming happily rosemary sat on the fallen tree leaning against the great oak that towered above her the first pink leaves had come out upon the brown branches and through them she could see the blue sky deep as turquoise without a single cloud it seemed that she had always been happy but had never known it until this new light shone upon her flooding with divine radiance every darkened recess of her soul she went to the hollow tree took out the wooden box and unwound the scarlet ribbon yesterday little dreaming of the portent that for once accompanied the signal she had tied it in its accustomed place and gone back calmly to wait the school bell echoed through the valley as she stood there her eyes laughing but her mouth very grave she had taken two or three steps towards the birches when an unwanted shyness possessed her and she hurried back i can't she said to herself oh i can't to-day so she restored it to its place wondering as she did so why love should make such mysterious changes in the common things of every day one and awakened though she was her womanhood imperatively demanded now that she must be sought and never seek that she must not even beckon him to her and that she must wait according to her destiny as women have waited since the world began yet it was part of the beautiful magic of the day that presently he should come to her unsummoned save by her longing and his own desire where is the ribbon he inquired reproachfully when he came within speaking distance where it belongs she answered with a flush didn't you want me to come of course then why didn't you hang it up just because i wanted you to come alden laughed at her feminine inconsistency as he took her face between his hands and kissed her half shyly still did you sleep last night he asked yes but i had a horrible dream i was glad to wake up this morning i didn't sleep so all my dreams were wakeful ones you're not sorry are you rosemary no indeed how could i ever be sorry you never shall be if i can help it i want to be good to you dear if i'm ever otherwise you'll tell me so won't you perhaps i won't promise why not because even if you weren't good to me i know you never meant it rosemary's eyes were grave and sweet eloquent as they were of her perfect trust in him he laughed again i'd be a brute not to be good to you whether i meant it or not that sounds twisted she commented with a smile but it isn't as long as you know what i mean i'll always know sighed rosemary blissfully leaning her head against his shoulder i'll always understand and i'll never fail you that's because i love you better than everything else in the world dear little saint he murmured you're too good for me no i'm not on the contrary i'm not half good enough then after a pause she asked the old old question first always from the lips of the woman beloved when did you begin to care i must have cared when we first began to come here only i was so blind i didn't know it when did you know yesterday i didn't keep it to myself very long dear yesterday she breathed half regretfully do you want it back she turned reproachful eyes upon him why should i want yesterday when i have to-day and to-morrow he supplemented and all the to-morrows to come together she said with a swift realization of the sweetness underlying the word yesterday was perfect like a jewel that we can put away and keep 
when we want to we can always go back and look at it no dear he returned soberly no one can ever go back to yesterday then with a swift change of mood he asked when shall we be married whenever you like she whispered her eyes downcast and her colour receding in the fall then when the grapes have been gathered and just before school begins he could scarcely hear her murmured yes i want to take you to town and let you see things theatres concerts operas parks shops art galleries everything if the crop is in early we should be able to have two weeks do you think you could crowd all the lost opportunities of a lifetime into two weeks into a day with you he drew her closer this sort of thing was very sweet to him and the girl's dull personality had bloomed like some pale delicate flower he saw unfathomed depths in her grey eyes shining now with the indescribable light that comes from within she had been negative and colourless but now she was a lovely mystery a half-blown wind-flower on some brown bare hillside where life in all its fullness was yet to come did you tell your grandmother and aunt matilda no how could i you'd better not they'd only make it hard for you and i wouldn't be allowed in the parlour anyway rosemary had not thought of that it was only that her beautiful secret was too sacred to put into words they'll have to know some time she temporized yes of course but not until the last minute the day we're to be married you can just put on your hat and say grandmother and auntie i'm going out now to be married to alden marsh i shan't be back so good-bye she laughed but none the less the idea filled her with consternation what will they say she exclaimed it doesn't matter what they say as long as you're not there to hear it clothes she said half to herself i can't be married in brown alpaca can i i don't know why not we'll take the fatal step as early as possible in the morning catch the first train to town you can shop all the afternoon to your heart's content and be dressed like a fine lady in time for dinner in the evening grandmother was married in brown alpaca she continued irrelevantly and aunt matilda wore it the night the minister came to call did he never come again no do you think it could have been the alpaca i'm sure it wasn't aunt matilda was foreordained to be an old maid she won't allow anyone to speak of her as an old maid she says she's a spinster what's the difference i think returned rosemary pensively that an old maid is a woman who never could have married and a spinster is merely one who hasn't is it a question of opportunity i believe so then you're wrong because some of the worst old maids i've ever known have been married women i've seen men too who deserve the title poor aunt matilda rosemary sighed i'm sorry for her why because she hasn't any one to love her because she hasn't you i'm sorry for every other woman in the world she concluded generously because i have you all to myself sweet he answered possessing himself of her hand don't forget that you must divide me with mother i won't will she care do you think because her voice trailed off into an indistinct murmur of course not she's glad i told her this morning oh cried rosemary suddenly tremulous and afraid what did she say she was surprised at first alden carefully refrained from saying how much his mother had been surprised and how long it had been before she found herself equal to the occasion yes and then then she said she was glad 
that she wanted me to be happy she told me that she had always liked you and that the house wouldn't be so lonely after you came to live with us then she asked me to bring you to see her as soon as you were ready to come the full tide overflowed in the girl's heart she yearned toward mrs marsh with worship adoration love the mother hunger made her faint with longing for a woman's arms around her for a woman's tears of joy to mingle with her own take me to her rosemary pleaded take me now madame saw them coming and went to the door to meet them rosemary was not at all what she had fancied in the way of a daughter-in-law but wisely she determined to make the best of alden's choice something in her stirred in answer to the infinite appeal in the girl's eyes at the crowning moment of her life rosemary stood alone fatherless motherless friendless with only brown alpaca to take the place of all the pretty things that seem girlhood's right madame smiled then opened her arms without a word rosemary went to her laid her head upon the sweet silken softness of the old lady's shoulder and began to cry softly daughter whispered madame holding her close my dear daughter please don't rosemary laughed through her tears and wiped her eyes it's only an april rain she said i'm crying because i am so happy i wish responded madame gently with a glance at her son that i might be sure all the tears either of you are ever to shed would be tears of joy it's the bitterness that hurts don't be pessimistic mother said alden with a little break in his voice rosemary's tears woke all his tenderness he longed to shield and shelter her to stand if he might between her and the thousand pricks and stabs of the world we'll have tea madame went on brightly ringing a silver bell as she spoke then we shan't be quite so serious woman's inevitable solace alden observed lounging about the room with his hands in his pockets manlike he welcomed the change of mood i wonder he continued with forced cheerfulness why people always cry at weddings and engagements and such things a husband or wife is the only relative we are permitted to choose we even have very little to say when it comes to a mother-in-law with parents brothers sisters uncles aunts and cousins all provided by a generous but sometimes indiscriminating fate it seems hard that one's only choice should be made unpleasant by salt water why he went on warming to his subject i remember how a certain woman angled industriously for months to capture an unsuspecting young man for her daughter when she finally landed him and the ceremony came off to the usual accompaniment of mendelssohn and a crowded church i feared that the bridal couple might have to come down the aisle from the altar in a canoe on account of the maternal tears perhaps suggested rosemary timidly she was only crying because she was happy if she was as happy as all those tears would indicate it's a blessed wonder she didn't burst madame smiled fondly at her son as she busied herself with the tea-things rosemary watched the white plump hands that moved so gracefully among the cups and her heart contracted with a swift little pang of envy of which she was immediately ashamed unconsciously she glanced at her own rough red hands madame saw the look and understood we'll soon fix them my dear she said kindly i'll show you how to take care of them really cried rosemary gratefully oh thank you do you suppose that that they'll ever look like yours wait and see madame temporized she was fond of saying that it took three generations of breeding to produce the hand of a lady the kettle began to sing and the cover danced cheerily 
tiny clouds of steam trailed off into space disappearing in the late afternoon sunshine like a wraith at dawn madame filled the blue china teapot and the subtle fragrance permeated the room think she said as she waited the allotted five minutes for it to steep of all i give you in a cup of tea see the spicy sunlit fields where men women and children in little jackets of faded blue picket while their cues bob back and forth think of all the chatter that goes in with the picking marriage and birth and death and talk of houses and worldly possessions and everything else that we speak of here then the long sweet drying and the packing in dim storehouses and then the long journey sand and heat and purple dusk tinkle of bells and scent of myrrh the rustle of silks and the gleam of gold then the open sea with infinite spaces of shining blue and a wake of pearl and silver following the ship dreams and moonbeams and starry twilights from the other side of the world here my dear i give them all to you she offered rosemary the cup as she concluded and the girl smiled back at her happily this was all so different from the battered metal teapot that always stood on the back of the stove at grandmother's to be boiled and reboiled until the colour was gone from the leaves alden was looking into his cup with assumed anxiety what's the matter dear asked his mother isn't it right i was looking for the poem he laughed and i see nothing but a stranger coming she asked idly of course see you're right a stranger and trouble what is there in your cup rosemary nothing at all she answered with a smile but a little bit of sugar just a few grains alden came and looked over her shoulder then with his arm over the back of her chair he pressed his cheek to hers i hope my dear that whenever you come to the dregs you'll always have that much sweetness left rosemary flushed and embarrassed made her adieus awkwardly come again very soon dear won't you asked madame yes indeed if i may and thank you so much good-bye mrs marsh mrs marsh repeated the old lady reproachfully some memory of her lost virginia made her very tender toward the motherless girl may i rosemary faltered do you mean it madame smiled and lifted her beautiful old face rosemary stooped and kissed her mother she said for the first time in her life dear mother good-bye 